Thank you, Craig. We have two readings this morning. The first is from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, through to chapter 2, verse 3. And uh, the second is Matthew chapter 19, verse 1 to 11. And, of course, they're related. So from Genesis, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every, every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Matthew 19, verses 1 to 11. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came came to him to test him. Then they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. Thank God for his word. Good morning. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the ministers here. It's great to be with you. Now, in December 2019, uh, J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, she tweeted these words. She said, dress however you you please, 
Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adult who have you. Live your best life in peace and security. But force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real? Now this tweet, it, it caused all sorts of reactions. Some people aggressively opposed her. Some people enthusiastically agreed with her. Some people wanted to distance themselves from what she'd written, like Emma Watson, who played Hermione in the movie series of Harry Potter. She uh, tweeted in response, Trans people are who they say they are and deserve to live their lives without being constantly questioned or told they aren't who they say they are. Now, what J.K. Rowling was tweeting about was how a tax expert and researcher called Maya Forstater that you can see up there, she had lost her job for tweeting things like, men cannot change into women. Uh, She'd been fired because of that. And Maya Forstater, she explains herself like this. She says, my belief is that sex is a biological fact and it is immutable. There are two sexes, male and female. Men and boys are male, women and girls are female. It is impossible to change sex. These were, until very recently, understood as basic facts of life by almost everyone. And so she had taken her previous employer to the tribunal for dismissing her unfairly. And although some people and and some organisations thought that she had the right to express her opinion, the judge in the case, James Taylor, he saw it differently. He effectively said that her view of biological sex is not worthy of respect in a democratic society. And in response, Maya herself said, this judgment removes women's rights and the right to freedom of belief and speech. It gives judicial license for men and women who speak up for objective truth and clear debate to be subject to aggression, bullying, no platforming and economic punishment. Now today, we're looking at the question, does gender matter? And of all the different questions that we're going to come across in this series on Common Sense, this one's probably got to be the the one that divides us the most, don't you reckon? Surely this has got to be the one that people passionately fall on one side or the other the most clearly. And because it's such a a divisive topic and and for some of us a, a painful topic, many of us just don't really want to talk about it at all. We just want to steer clear of the conversation. Now, that's understandable on the one level. But we're not going to do that today. And we can't afford to do that. We need to actually be able to give an answer to this question. So we're going to try to do that today. But we've got very little time. And this is a very big question. So all we can do is is start to give an answer to this question. So first, what we're going to do is, is we're going to try to look at some of the kind of common sense answers that we find around us in our world. Does gender matter? But then we're going to consider God's uncommon sense answer. And we're calling it uncommon sense because very often the way God sees things doesn't fit with our common sense way of seeing things. But when we stop and we look properly at what God is saying, what we see is that God's way really does make sense. It makes a deeper kind of sense a life-changing, life-giving kind of sense. And we see that 
God's uncommon sense is actually a far better way to live. God's way really does work. So we're going to look at some common sense answers in our world. We're going to look at God's uncommon sense answer, which he gives in the Bible. And then we're going to just consider a couple of ways that God's way really does work in life and make life better for how we should live. So what does our world say is the common sense answer to this question, does gender matter? Now remember, we're not, we're not looking for all possible answers or an exact answer. We're just kind of going with the vibe, the constitution, like I said last week. And, and what we see, even more than last week, is that on this question, there are, there are strong different answers. And there's an old kind of common sense and there's a new kind of common sense. So first of all, let me give you the old common sense answer. I grew up in the 80s, as you can probably see, and um, started high school in the early 90s. And I reckon the common sense answer back then was gender really matters. And you need to work hard to express your gender in culturally acceptable ways. Gender really matters. Now, I think things were starting to change even back then. But I I felt like I was at the tail end of an era that said to men, you need to be real men, not a sissy. You need to be strong. You must like sport. You got to drink beer. And above all, you need to be tough, not gentle, not emotional. And if you're a bit confused, you know, and needed a bit of a role model for what a, a, a real man was, all you needed to do was watch the Vic Bitter ad. Hard-earned thirst needs a big cold beer, and then you'd know what a real man looked like. Now, I'm being a bit silly, but do you remember those ads? Do you remember the kind of images of men that they ran for a long time and the kind of images they, they cast? If you're young, I don't know if they've rerun them. I don't seem to watch TV much anymore. Now, I'm being a bit silly, but this is the kind of common sense answer, this sort of thing that you'd hear in the 80s. That was common sense for men. And I'm sure there was a common sense kind of answer for women that was kind of equivalent as well. And I think many teenagers felt the pressure and maybe still do, maybe still do these days as well. I reckon I felt the um, pressure pretty strongly because I knew I could never be the real man that the common sense of the time said I ought to be. Let me explain why. My dad, he wasn't into sport. He didn't drink, and I grew up in a Christian family, so what did we do? We went along to church on a Sunday where we sang songs and talked about a man called Jesus who we loved. Okay, that's not real manly for the time in that common sense. And you know, I was sort of okay with the idea that I would never kind of fit with that common sense answer, because even back then, I knew deep down that that common sense answer was rubbish, Because fortunately for me, in my life, I knew Jesus. And you can't really say Jesus isn't a real man, because Jesus is more of a real man than any other person will ever be. And yet, what do we see in Jesus? He was brave, strong, yes, but also gentle, kind. He cried, he hugged. He was happy to be the servant of other people, not the alpha male. 
He was afraid of the cross and yet nonetheless faced it courageously. Now this common sense answer that says that gender really matters, what it's really saying is that gender stereotypes really matter. Cultural ideas about gender really matter. But Jesus shows that that answer really is inadequate in the end. Let me give you a couple of examples. So if I was up here today wearing a skirt, what would you be thinking right now? Now, I imagine you'd probably be thinking it was some kind of insensitive comment on transgenderism, right? But if I was in Scotland, what would you be thinking? You'd be thinking, I, what a man, a true patriot. You know, in some African countries, it's, it's the grown men who walk down the street holding hands, but a man and a woman are not allowed to do that. And did you know that makeup and wigs used to be for men? And women were banned from using them. Pink was a boy's colour. Blue was a girl's colour. You know, this common sense idea that that gender must be embraced and expressed in certain strict cultural ways, it's really hard to defend since, well, different cultures are different and even our own culture has changed over time. And what you will never find is a long list in the Bible of how you must express your gender in really strict cultural ways like that. Men don't have to love sports cars or sports. They don't have to be a disaster in the kitchen, emotionally stunted and unable to cry or say I love you to their kids. Women don't have to be into fashion and have long hair and steer clear of boxing and motorsports and always be meek and, and not express strong opinions. That's not God's answer does gender matter that's the old common sense answer and it's still around in our society but it's an inadequate answer and it can be at times a really unhelpful answer so let's move on from the old to the new common sense answer to this question does gender matter let's see if this new common sense answer works better so the common sense answer now is that Gender doesn't really matter. What matters is your choice. You can choose to be male, you can choose to be female, or both, or neither, or anything you want. And there are three other things that this new common sense answer rests on. So first, it it rests on the idea, the theory, that biological sex and gender are not linked. So being born male or female sex has got absolutely nothing to do with identifying as male or female gender. That's the idea. For thousands of years, humans have lived as if sex and gender are are linked, but this new theory says that that's actually just been a social construct rather than those two things really being linked. So that's the first thing that this idea rests on. There's another one that this common sense answer rests on, and that is technology. So in the past, the distinctions between sexes were felt more prominently because things like the sheer strength of of men being needed um, were very obvious before there were machines. You know, now with machines, the, the difference between the genders sort of becomes less noticeable. 
Also things like babies being utterly dependent on a woman before there was formula. New technology, it's made a lot of those kind of differences just, well, less important. And the other place where this common sense idea rests on technology is that medical advances mean that we can now bend the body to our will. That was pretty much impossible 50 years ago. But now through medicine, we can at least make it feel like we've transformed our bodies to match whatever sex we choose. And the third thing that this common sense idea rests on, and probably the biggest thing, is the idea that it is who we feel or think we are that is the real us. It is who you feel or think you are that is the real you. Who I think I am, you know, who I feel myself to be, that is far more important than what anyone else tells me I am or should be and far more important than even my body tells me who I am or should be. This is the essence of the new kind of common sense and it's gaining so much traction in our society. I don't know if you can kind of feel these ideas, how they resonate in the world around you and what you watch and the conversations you have, but these ideas have gained so much traction in our society that many people now believe it's incredibly wrong to change someone's view of self. It's even evil to do that. So if I've got a, a child who is biologically female but wants to identify as male in kind of gender expression and in body, then I've got a choice, don't I? I could see that the problem is with their view of self and so I could attempt to help them change their view of self. I could attempt to help them see themselves as their body shows them to be. It's one option. Or I could see that the problem is with the body that they find themselves in. And so I could help them alter their body through expression and how they ex- present themselves, through how they dress, through hormones, through changes that will last forever like surgery. And which is common sense? Well, this new view says that trying to change someone's view of themselves is wrong and harmful and even evil because the real us is who we think ourselves to be, who we feel ourselves to be. And trying to change that just causes harm and even suicide and so it must be stopped and it must be stopped at all costs. Now, can you see why this new common sense idea is causing so much um, division in our world today? There's a complete clash of, of ideas about where the truth is found, where self is found, and how humans flourish in our world. A uh, really highly regarded psychiatrist named um, Paul McHugh said about this, gender dysphoria, the official psychiatric term for feeling oneself to be the opposite sex belongs in the family of similarly disordered assumptions about the body, such as anorexia nervosa and body dysmorphic disorder. Its treatment should not be directed at the body as with surgery and hormones, any more than one treats obesity-fearing anorexia patients with liposuction. The treatment should strive to correct the false problematic nature of the assumption and to resolve the psychosocial conflicts provoking it. 
there's a clash between different views and he's not the only medical uh, professional to feel this clash there's more and more who feel it and yet who are too afraid to speak up because they know that what happened to Maya could happen to them just a few weeks ago in April a father in Canada was jailed for six months because he kept speaking out against a court order uh, that said that his child could undergo treatment with testosterone and surgery a child who was 14 years at the time of of that kind of stuff and he resisted this legal decision and he kept speaking about it publicly that this is wrong and he was ordered not to ordered to call his daughter by her preferred name and pronoun but he refused and now he's spending six months in jail what we're seeing today is a really dramatic high stakes clash around ideas ideas of gender and more we see it in women's sport in unis in schools public policy policy and in public bathrooms just last weekend in the newspaper uh, there's a headline that says mothers group in turmoil over chest feeding pressure basically even the australian breastfeeding association is impacted by this they've produced a booklet that kind of takes on this new common sense idea Uh, the booklet says things like biological males who identify as females they can chemically induce human breast milk feeding things like this and the only problem is that many of the breastfeeding counselors they're expressing their concern that this is distracting them from their mother focus their mission to mother mothers some saying this is dehumanizing women and what do we say are these concerned breastfeeding counselors bigots or is the problem actually that this new common sense idea is inadequate not many people want to stick their hand up and say that now at this point i want to say that i want to say neither common sense idea that we've looked at so far is adequate both common sense ideas they just don't cut it in the end and so i want to move on to talk about god's answer to this question does gender matter and essentially what you see across the whole of scripture is that god's answer is that gender is a gift that does matter it's a gift but it's a gift that we now express in a fallen way now this is what jesus says which we heard just before he says the way that we should understand ourselves is by understanding how god created us in the beginning so jesus says in in matthew 19 verse 4 haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female jesus says that that god's intention was that humanity would be binary and jesus he's saying this is still how we should understand ourselves now that's the entire point of of this dialogue with the um pharisees now just a few verses later we didn't quite get there but in verse 11 or verse 12 sorry just a few verses later jesus shows that he's fully aware that things can and do go wrong in our broken world that we live in he says in verse 12 for there are eunuchs who were born that way now in other words jesus knows that things go wrong very rarely people are born into sex but even though he's fully aware of that 
He says God's original creation design was always binary, male and female. And he says that design will never be erased. That's his point. Now, he's not talking about transgenderism. He's talking about divorce. But that point still stands. God made things binary and that still stands and will always stand. And when we go back and then look at that account in Genesis that Jesus is quoting, we see that God didn't just make us binary biologically. His design was that biological sex and gender are absolutely linked. That's part of his plan. Man and woman, they're equal before God, but they're not interchangeable or switchable. They really are different in biology and then how that biology is expressed in gender. So God says in Genesis 2 verse 18, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, we tend to recoil at that word helper because it sounds belittling and, and it's understandable that that would be our initial reaction. But what we've got to remember is that God is not belittling here at all. God calls himself our helper. It's not belittling at all. But Adam and Eve, they correspond to each other. They complement each other, not simply in biology. They complement each other in how they relate to each other. They're equal but different. And it's as male and female, united in in true diversity, that they're in God's image, together ruling the world. Now, this is God's uncommon sense. Gender, not simply biological sex, is a gift from God. Gender is designed by God. And God doesn't make mistakes. But actually, God's uncommon sense means we need to say a bit more than this. Because God goes on to tell us, and what we see in Scripture is that we live in a broken world. And this means that how we express our gender is broken as well. You know, like Jesus said, sometimes things go wrong. Very extremely rarely, people are born into sex. Quite rarely, people develop gender dysphoria, where they they feel they're in the wrong body. Before the recent kind of cultural trend of encouraging gender experimentation and and really encouraging gender dysphoria, only around 0.3% of people experienced gender dysphoria. But like I said, God says that we live in a broken world and how we express our gender is broken. And that's actually true for every single one of us. When Adam and Eve reject God and his plan, it's not simply their biology that's broken by sin. It's their individual distinctives as well. And it's their complementarity too. So Eve's rejection of God, if you remember the story, means her life-giving role in the world is, is broken. Adam's rejection of God means his lead in, in working the ground is broken. And their beautiful relationship with each other is broken. Sin, it impacts more than just their biology, it taints how they express their gender as well and it taints how every single one of us expresses our gender still today. Now I don't know if you know this or if you've ever thought about it like this, but what was the very first impact of sin? 
it was how people saw their bodies. It was shame. Have a look at Genesis 3 verse 7. A psychological response to their bodies. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Their rejection of God meant that they didn't feel at home in their bodies anymore. And for most of us, to differing degrees, aren't we still like this? We don't feel fully at ease in our bodies. And for some of us, that includes not feeling at ease with our biological sex. Now God, he made our bodies and our our gender to perfectly align, but just one way that this world is broken is by gender and biological sex no longer perfectly aligning in some people. And God, he's not at all saying gender dysphoria is a sin. But he is saying to pursue a gender identity other than the one that he has given us in our biological sex is a sin. Because it's turning our backs on who God has made us to be. It's to say to God, you made a mistake. And I'm going to follow my feelings as more true and more important than you. But mind you, isn't that what we all do in different ways? Not necessarily in the area of gender identity. That, that might be our struggle. But we all at times follow our feelings as being more true and more important to us than what God wants. And so the Bible says we're in exactly the same boat as every single other person in this world because we do that. Gender is a gift. And it's a gift that does matter. But it's a gift we now express in a fallen way. This is God's uncommon sense. So now I want to finish by just spending a few minutes, a couple of minutes, seeing what God's uncommon sense can mean for how we live our lives now. And like I said, in all of this, this is far too big a topic to really capture today. If you feel like your head is, is swimming with some of it, I think there's probably actually some books on transgender on the bookstore, some of them quite thin that, that would reinforce some of these ideas. But just like the whole topic is too big to adequately cover, so are the implications. There are many, many, and we're just going to cherry-pick a few of them. One thing that this does mean is that we really should embrace gender as a gift from God. I shouldn't be ashamed of, of being a man, and you shouldn't be ashamed of being a woman or a man. I shouldn't be ashamed of encouraging you to embrace your gender or encouraging my kids to embrace all that God has made them to be, including their gender. True masculinity is a beautiful thing. True femininity is a beautiful thing. Girls really should be girls, and and boys, boys, women, women, men, men, unashamedly. Now, but here's the next thing. At the same time, we should realize that how we express our gender, even as we should fully embrace it, it really is going to be affected by sin. Christians, of all people, should believe in toxic masculinity, along with toxic femininity. And actually more than that, we should believe that we're inclined to tip into toxic places if we're not careful. Isn't that what we saw last week? Humans are basically good and basically 
bad. We're not immune from that. Now, when men go from leading with gentleness and sacrificial love to being forceful, being abusive, being selfish, that's toxic masculinity. And it's a rejection of who God has actually engendered us to be. Men, Jesus calls you to die to that way of living. And instead, to lay down what you want, lay down your desires for the sake of others. And for women, it's similar. What I'm trying to say is that while we should embrace our God-given gender and really live it out, we shouldn't think that that's an easy thing for us to do now. It's not. We live in a broken world and how we express our gender can very easily be broken And so we need to be carefully looking to God's uncommon sense for how we do this in his word, in scripture. And we actually desperately need each other in community to do that. We're not going to arrive there by default. We need each other to see how to do that. And part of this is there's not just one way to embrace being a man and one way to embrace being a woman. There are many, many beautiful expressions of masculinity and femininity. And our job as a church community, it's not to create this narrow band of of gender that we all have to stick to. Not at all. That's just the old common sense. And that's not embracing what gender means. God's uncommon sense allows us to embrace our gender and to have a kind of generous expression of gender as we seek to walk in the footsteps, all of us, of Jesus. But what does God's uncommon sense mean for how we should think about those who say that gender doesn't matter, what we're encountering more and more in our world? Now, let me be really clear at this point. Accepting God's uncommon sense doesn't mean that I treat people who have gender confusion badly. It's the opposite, right? God's uncommon sense says I'm to have nothing but love and compassion for them. But true love means I'm not just going to ignore the truth in that. I really am going to say that the problem lies with perception of self, not with the body that God has given us to enjoy. Now, you will have felt, and you've heard today in what I've talked about, that there's a modern agenda that's trying to aggressively stamp this idea of common sense on the world. Just talking to a friend this week who's in school, being told he can't use gender kind of pronouns and ideas like that in a public school. Our world really is trying to silence all other views, you know, through legal action, through bullying, through all sorts of ways. And it really is sad and it really is wrong. And it's absolutely something that we can't be cowards about. We have to, we have to stand up to this. But we need to separate how we feel about that agenda and how we feel about real-life people who are suffering because of it. So what have we got to say to those who are suffering because of this? What have we got to say to those who have gender confusion? Well, it comes down to where do you think people are going to find real peace and true life? Where do you think you're going to find real peace and true life? Now, the world is telling us that we'll find peace and true life by following our feelings, by being true to ourselves. But the tragic truth is that that is never going to work. 
Jesus says in Mark 8 verse 35, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. See, my life is not found in expressing myself as best as I possibly can. I am found by knowing Jesus. My identity is is found by knowing the one who created me, the one who gave his life for my life. True peace and, and life is actually found in knowing the one who, who shapes my life, not just in the area of gender, but in every aspect of who he calls me to be, now and forever. The sad irony in all of this is that if I think I'm expressing my true inner self, all I'm really doing is regurgitating what I've absorbed from all around me. You know, whether that's a toxic masculinity or whether it's some kind of self-constructed gender identity, If you look within yourself to find your true self, all you're actually doing is expressing a social construct that you've absorbed from from the society around you. Our true identity is only ever found by looking outside ourselves to Jesus. As we look to our true creator, our true saviour, our truest friend, Jesus, who died for us. Now, I don't know if you sense this today or not, but God's uncommon sense really should wake us up. Your phone that you've got there in your pocket, so close, Netflix, which many of us watch most nights, everywhere in our world is saying to us, your true self is found within you in how you feel. And now it's a self-evident truth, only it's not truth. And it leads to pain. And in the end, it leads to a life that's cut off from God forever. And spending a couple of hours here on a Sunday, a couple of hours in a community group midweek, it's not enough to wake us up from this trance. There's a madness, a nonsense that's hypnotized our world that makes us think that it's, it's actually common sense to destroy parts of our bodies to find our true selves. We're desperately chasing happiness and comfort and wishful thinking while running further and further away from the truth. The atheist turned Christian, C.S. Lewis, he wrote about this. Listen to what he said as we finish. He said, of course, I quite agree that the Christian religion is in the long run a thing of unspeakable comfort But it does not begin in comfort. It begins in the dismay I've been describing. And it is no use at all trying to go on to that comfort without going first through that dismay. In religion, as in war and everything else, comfort is the one thing you cannot get looking for it. If you look for the truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort... You'll not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, despair. So let me finish with this question. Are you looking for comfort or are you looking for the truth? Because what we'll keep seeing is God's uncommon sense. Often it's not comfortable, but it really is the truth.
And when you give your life to Jesus, you give your life to the one who created you, to the one who gave his life for your life. When you find yourself in Jesus, you've not only found truth, but in the long run, you really have found a thing of unspeakable comfort. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for Jesus and that in him we really do see true life, eternal life because of his love, his example. Father, our world is uh, claiming to offer a better life, a truer life. Help us to see that that really is not the case, that that may be more comfortable now but will ultimately lead us to despair. And more than that, Lord, give us the heart for those around us to not just be content to hide away with this knowledge to ourselves, but to see that the lie the world is selling us everywhere is leading real people to despair and to eternal destruction. Father, help us to see them the way that you see them, loved by you. Give us the compassion we need to keep holding out Jesus as the only true way to life and peace. And we pray in his name. Amen.